0: Well hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to Masters athletes around the world. I'm Rebecca Caro and I'm joined by my co-host Marlene Royal.
1: Hello Rebecca, nice to see you again.
0: I have been away for two whole weeks and Marlene has been holding the fort.
1: Yes. And I was away for two whole weeks before that. And Rebecca was holding the fort. So we've actually been, you know, we've actually been apart for about a a month. We check in during the week in case people don't know, but, um, but actually like targeting live here we are again.
0: Yeah. It's, it just happens sometimes when your calendars just don't align, things happen and we had other commitments, but anyway, hopefully you our loyal listeners uh, may not have noticed, but we're back we're very pleased to be to be back again. <laughs> now I have a lovely lovely background this week to show you. This is a mixed quad of parents and children and I'm afraid I don't know who sent it in but it is absolutely delightful and smiles all around and I kind of feel it must be a family like both parents row and they have a child who coxes and and two other boys, so that's quite nice.
1: Yeah, I know. Get everybody together and they can row to school.
0: We we had a conversation in my family recently that we have a seven. We don't yet have the eighth person in the family who can row.
1: Even your husband, maybe we could does is that counting him?
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. And my niece and my brother and his wife and one of my sisters rows, but none of her the rest of her family row. So yeah we we well, live in hope.
1: Yeah, you've got to find like a second cousin somewhere like the that person you didn't know who rode, right? That's right. <laughs> Fly one in from somewhere from New Zealand. <laughs> oh, well, that would be that would be kind
0: of cute, wouldn't it? If you could now, get a
1: whole eight, that would be awesome.
0: Wouldn't it? Uh, whether we ever get on the water, you know. So this week We have a sponsor who is our fitness rower program. This is a new program that we have launched here in Faster Masters because we recognize that there's a large number of masters who do not want to race. And so we feel and we have researched and we are in great conversation with people that they would still like to have a focus for when they go rowing. We created the program so that you can choose what sort of a session you want. So each practice, you can either do a fitness practice, a fat burning practice or a technique practice. And we make recommendations about how to cycle through these during the week, depending on whether you go rowing once, twice, three times or more during the week. But the program is not just advice on workouts to do. We also have a land training gym circuit for uh, conditioning Uh, we include a rowing technique article or video and we give aging well advice on your lifestyle and how to live well so that we can enjoy our life so if you are a rower who is a fitness athlete and you would like to try it um, go to fastermastersrowing.com and Follow the link to our programs and you'll see the fitness program there. Um, It's been running for a month and a half now. And we got a very nice bit of feedback from one of our clients who said the rowing stability drills and erg posture drills and videos are very helpful. I love seeing them being demonstrated and I love the simple breakdown in writing of what you do. Repeats are good in videos so that I have time to take it on board. I've also done the land exercises, which which help my balance and my strength. Clear instructions and photos are very helpful. So we think we're hitting the mark here. So if you know someone who is a rower who chooses not to race, please recommend our fitness program uh, for Masters.
1: Yes, it's been great. We've been getting some good feedback, so...
0: Now, this past week is the part on the show where we talk about things we've been doing to more generally advocate for masters rowing. And uh, for myself, I haven't been doing very much. What have you been doing? I haven't been doing much on the
1: broad scale, but I've been doing a lot on the local scale because this seems to be a really popular week for people who want to come and try and get in the boat for the first time. So um, in the last week, I've seen about 18 first timers in the single. So so that's kind of a handful, kind of a handful, but fun, you know, fun. And, you know, just one step at a time kind of thing. But, um, but, you know, lots of people getting in the boats, just experiencing different reactions, you know, and it's so interesting to see how, um some people going backwards is totally cool and other people going backwards really freaks them out because we're lifetime rowers we're used to going backwards all the time like it's okay with us we're not worried about it right but you take someone who's used to doing stand up paddleboard or kayaking oh, and man. even people who are really experienced and now they're not going and we've talked about this lots of times they're not going in the direction that their eyes are looking. Now they're going in another Oops. direction. Um, it takes, takes a bit of an adjustment. And I've, I've had some experience with a couple of people who are world-class paddlers
0: who've um. gotten
1: into like world championship level paddlers, dragon boat paddlers, um, who've gotten into the boat for the first time, never, never were in a, a single skull. Um, so it was really weird going the opposite direction, but, but you could totally coach them on the sense of the blade and the placement and moving the boat past the blade. And even though the, the shape, like, like a dragon boat stroke, is, comes at the water from such a different angle than a sculling boat stroke does, but they still understand how the blade works in the water. So that's been quite interesting that, yeah, our direction of a angle of attack Is different. Yeah. But the principles are the same, except we're going backwards. So it's been quite, it's been kind of interesting to have some of these really, really elite paddlers get into a single and, like, oh, how does it all work? You know, so it's kind of interesting. (laughs)
0: Fantastic. Now, this podcast is supported by some fantastic people who make a small monthly donation to us. These are people who might be listening right now and who find one useful thing in the show. The donations start from $1 a month, and we are extremely grateful to everybody who supports us. If you would like to join them, please go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast. Now this week, we are going to be talking about racing mentality and when to take risks when you are racing. And I want to kick off by starting with the sort of framework for any race is a race plan. And there are lots of truisms about rowing and race plans, as in, you know, once the hammer drops, you know, the race plan goes out of the window because whatever happens will happen. But having a framework around which you can work and which you can practice is really important. And part of the Faster Masters rowing Program is a few reference materials. So, if you are a subscriber to any of our monthly programs within the performance module, you will find reference material and there is a sample race plan and guidance about how to write a plan for yourself for both 1K and 5K racing. And you'll find that in the performance module reference materials. So let's kick off, Marlene. What is the sort of mentality that people should or could cultivate when it comes to racing?
1: I would preface this as saying, you know, racing is extremely individual in terms of how you approach your race and what you want to get out of your race. So I I think the ment- the number one mentality is to be committed to doing your best that you can do on that day. And that could be a huge range of emotions and skill levels. But, you know, you have to look at, like, where am I today? What am I prepared for? Can I execute to my best ability? what i know how to do today and if you can do that you're going to come away from your race feeling really good so the mentality for racing is not results based it's process based and you know you're you're as good as you are prepared to be and we all are where we are like the day we row into the starting blocks, like, you know, this is day eight to get into the starting blocks. I am where I am. I'm not where I'm going to be at day 10 or even day 50. I am where I am today. So I think I think just having um, a, a pretty good attitude that I'm going to do the best that I can with the skills that I can today.
0: You I, have to I, understand Racing is 90% mental. And so, people who allow themselves to get tied up in knots emotionally between the ears are going to struggle in racing. You need to be able to calm yourself down, whether you self talk in your head or whether you uh, use a strict routine that gives you a framework. So, a lot of people like to plan. Their day really clearly, plan their warm-up really clearly, have particular moves that they practice in the warm-up. You know, keep a clock that tells them, sets an alarm that's 10 minutes before the start time, five minutes before the start time, whatever. And so you need to know yourself in order to work out what is going to work best for you so that you arrive in the blocks, as Marlene said ready to do your best on the day. Well, and, and
1: also remember that it's just one race. And, you know, again, everything that happens in between your races is so important because that's really the process of training. That's the lifestyle of training. That's the, the, the culture of, of rowing and sculling. You know, a race is a little dot on the schedule that gives you the opportunity to express yourself. Now, you could express yourself like it could be total crap. Okay, I'm not saying that it's always going to be good. It happens sometimes. Oftentimes that happens. Why? Because we're listening too much to what our brain tells us. And you have to realize that your brain is always going to tell you, okay, be safe, be careful, don't take risks, you know, um, make sure that you don't do anything too wild because your brain is protective. And you have to say, you know what, it's just talking to me, but I'm prepared. I've done my drills. I've done my time trials. I, I know that I can ask for something a little bit more because if you completely listen to your thoughts they can really mess you up so you have to kind of the, the, we, we talk about you have to get into the space between your thoughts which mm-hmm. is the you right that's the you that's where your intuition comes where you say you know maybe i don't know anything but i can I can try this. I can try this. I've practiced enough that I feel confident trying this. Remember, your brain's always going to keep you safe. So when you start feeling a bit icky in the middle of a race, your brain's going to go, "Ooh, you know, this isn't really nice. Are you sure you want to be doing this? And you can say, well, you know, in between the thoughts, brain, you're just trying to keep me safe. I have done this before. I've pushed hard before in practice. I've done quite well i've been tired and then i recovered so i know i'm going to be okay so maybe i can try it so you know there there is this you know your your mind is going to always try to protect you from scary situations and there's the other part of you that can say well mind i know that you're doing this and and i've practiced this and this is why we practice trials Make your mistakes in your trials. Make your mistakes in practices. Screw up in your trials. That's what we want. Because then you have that skill set to decide in a race, well, you know what? That time in that practice trial, we were really behind and we just said, the hell with the stroke rate. We just took it up and you know what? We just cruised through that other boat and we won the piece. You learned a little bit something about yourself. So. You do. You have to do this stuff in practice to have the intuition to take those risks in a, in a racing situation. Because your mind's always going to protect you. You're going to say, "Oh no, this hurts," and "Oh, how do I how do I handle this?" And "Oh no, what?" And it's going to talk to you a lot. Sure. But um, that case that you had the practice on the water. Gives you the experience, and on your gut feeling, on your intuition, and say,
0: "Okay,
1: let's take it up too, guys. Here we go! Right here we go!" So,
0: I think that that's that's your end goal. Is to get to a point where you're. Intuition takes over. So training yourself so that you have a really robust base of skills that you can bring to bear in a racing situation so that Your racing ends up being intuition, but the intuition is based on experience. And for me, that's definitely where we want to be. Goodness me. So. Back in the room. There we go. Sorry about that. My Wi-Fi got a bit screwy. So what I was trying to say is that racing is really needs to be based on your intuition, but your intuition has to be practiced and honed before you go to race so that you build experience of a lot of different situations and scenarios. Risks in racing happen when you make that decision about what you need to do in order to get a really good result and that good result may not be winning the race it's a good good result for you today as marlene explained earlier i often describe racing as being on a knife edge you want everything to be on the point of being out of control and not too much in control. If you're too much in control, you're probably being a little too conservative, and you won't get your best possible result. Being a little bit out of control may lead to a disaster, but hey, that's building our experience, we have to be open-minded about this. But also, it'll bring you to that knowledge. As Marlene said earlier, we took the rate up and we went through the other crew and we beat them. And if we hadn't tried it, we wouldn't have known that we were capable of doing that. So when should you take risks? And I want to reflect on how a race develops. So I always look at a race in quarters. It doesn't matter if you're doing a 5k race or 1k race, it doesn't matter. Um, And Knowing where the quarters come up in terms of landmarks is useful if you're not on a straight lane course where they're conveniently marked. And you can treat your quarters as time or distance, it doesn't really matter. But in general terms, your first quarter has a job, which is to get off the start, to get into a good rhythm. That's all you have to do in the first quarter. In the second quarter, this is where you need to be tough on yourself. You need to work hard. You need to exactly keep. You need your, to.
1: you Right. You need to keep your average speed in mind and not drop too much. You have to. Exactly. To, that's a
0: critical factor there. And it'll be beginning to feel quite hard. The first quarter doesn't often feel hard. There's lots of adrenaline. You know, you're going fine. The third quarter is often the hardest part of the race. Pain is definitely happening. (laughs) Look at Marlene's face. Um, (laughs) And this is where your mental skills come in. And in your third quarter, you need to make it tough for the opposition for your competitors this is where it's about you making it really hard for them to beat you so that your focus is external and that is really helpful mentally because it helps to distract you from the pain that you're feeling and then of course the fourth quarter is about a sprint finish it's about what do i do to get to the line as quickly as possible
1: I used so. to think of that last I used to think of that last quarter as restarting the race. You know, like you get you get through that that gritty third quarter which which is nasty and mm. this is this is where your race plan can really benefit you. Like I totally agree like if they're going to beat you, make it hurt for them to beat you. Make it difficult for them to beat you. But also in your own boat, one stroke at a time, just one stroke at a time, just nail it one stroke at a time, because you just have to dig into it and just, you can't get ahead of yourself at that point of the race. You have to really be very, very in the present, very, very focused. It's the most difficult race for everybody. So just, you know, like Adam Creek, you know, in, in our Racing Starts Challenge, you know, he just talked about, like, I just wanted to inflict pain at that point in the race. You know, he was so, that gold medal race, so focused on that. And um, when you move into the fourth quarter, just, oh, it's a mental switch. Like, okay, it's a 500-meter race. It's a feet fifty meter race, depending on your distance. Just switch your mentality. Okay, now it's a race to the finish line okay, I'm through the the grunt work. Now it's like, I'm ready to go. I've got to push the reset button. And no matter what, everybody's got to mentally restart the race, because it's all going to come down. It's all going to come down to those last few strokes, quite possibly. So um,
0: it's important.
1: Yeah, it's important to like, give each quarter a personality and, and like, let it let it live. And, and mary whipple going back to our um last racing starts challenge that we did in april um she talked about how awful their qualifying race was and how they had to totally pull it together to to qualify uh for the olympics you know because they they didn't qualify in the heat and they had to they they had to totally qualify it. And this was an example where, you know, she in our Racing Starts challenge um, from April, uh, she talks about how they had to take risks. They had to take risks to say, okay, let the boat breathe. Let the boat run. Do what you guys have done in practice, which meant like not being hyper and calming down and rowing. And um, in our Racing Starts Challenge, um, the VIP from April, the recordings of this talk and the details of these two races are quite interesting. And she said this was a risk. You know, I had to like calm them down. I had to bring them into practice mode. I had to bring them into letting the boat work and all the things we worked in practice. And, you know, we were like this this was the final that was going to like qualify us for the Olympics or not. We couldn't come in seventh. So, you know, there was a lot on the line and they had to just like go. Oof. And, and uh, you know, quite and that that's an example of taking risks, you totally. know? not to push them harder, but on the other hand, pull them back a little bit, you know, and and let them sink their teeth into what they know how to do.
0: One of the things that you need to remember is that your best rowing is generally done in practice, not in racing. And having that human skill of pattern recognition, realizing what's happening, what's going right, what's going wrong, and then how to seek the direction that you desire in the heat of the moment during a race. So lots and lots of stresses on you. That is a real risk. So Taking the rate down one point or separating off the back, getting your hands away and then your body over and not rushing forward can help build rhythm. And then once you have your rhythm, you'll find the boat flows better and it goes faster, too. And all of those are things that are sort of counterintuitive because in a race, often your fight or flight mode kicks in. And all you do is try and go crazy. You often see races. I've watched races of myself where I see myself rushing the slide, rushing the person at stroke off the back because I'm anxious to stick stuff in more strokes, but actually that's not needed.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's hard because you're, as you said, you're nervous, you're nervous or excited, right? I mean, we don't know which, yeah. or a little bit of both, and and I think uh, what Mary talked a lot about was bringing the focus back to the boat. Okay, we're trying to move the boat. We're not. We don't need to try to move us. We need to move the boat, and I and I think that's always a really important thing because if we get a little bit too wrapped up in our head, we're going to try to be moving our bodies, instead of moving the boat. And, and, you know, moving the boat, even at a, even at a very high stroke rating in rowing is not a super fast motion compared to like a hundred meter sprint, right. Or a javelin throw, right. It's not a super fast motion. It's fast for us because we don't move that fast comparatively because we're moving through water, but but just giving yourself that time to think okay well move the boat and let the boat run and move the boat and let the boat run and take it a little bit of out of body in the sense and let the equipment do a bit of work for you can also really help you get back in like rebecca was talking about get back into your rhythm give yourself a little moment to make sure that you're you know making nice transitions you you have time I always said, no matter how fast you're rowing, what stroke rate, as long as you do things in the proper sequence, you have enough, you have plenty of time. And your mentality, you can stretch strokes. Like I'm sure, Rebecca, if you've experienced this, like we can, I've been rowing sometimes 36, 38, and it feels like forever each stroke because you just let it take the time that it takes. If you just let it be, It'll, it'll be okay. And it doesn't necessarily take a lot more energy, but there's just enough time to insert everything in, in the right sequence. And, and so as you get more skilled, you, you can stretch strokes. You can stretch the time. Even when you're rowing at a very high rate, you can still take your time. It doesn't mean being rushed. You just do it in the right order.
0: By contrast, there are other risks that you can take, which can be to exert more energy than you had planned. So if you're in a side-by-side race and you can see another crew coming up on you, you need to respond. I learned this uh, at Gent Regatta um, when we we were being chased and we were also chasing someone else. And our coxswain we were in an eight our coxswain called for us to push and we pushed until we got level with this other crew and then Kate who was extremely experienced racer yelled at the coxswain from the sixth seat don't sit here we've got to keep on pushing through we haven't planned on having to do another push so soon but it was really important for the for them not to think that they could push and then get away from us because we just pulled level with them. And so getting a few more seats ahead of them was really important. And it was a big risk at that stage in the race. We were expending more energy than we planned. What was going to happen as a result? Were we going to fade? Were they going to fade? You know, there were so many possible consequences, none of which you need to think through in great detail at the time but we definitely succeeded and we all learned something that day that when you pull level with someone, you should never just stop level because, you know, on the surge, we all know how rowing boats move. You might lose that gain in the run into the line.
1: That that, that can sometimes actually be the worst situation because then it just becomes a huge expenditure into this dogfight. And and Adam Creek talked about this with Spracklin. He said, if you pull level with someone, you just keep plowing through them and like put them away if you can, yeah. because, because then you're going to have so much energy exerted. But this was a case where it was a risk. However, the six seat wouldn't have made that call, probably wouldn't have Ooh. spoken out if she didn't know that the crew was prepared to do that. And that's where your training comes into place because if you didn't have the practice experience together, if you didn't have the fitness level, you wouldn't be able to pull that off because you can't do it simply emotionally. You need the emotions got to be backed up by the physical. So making sure that you're as fit as you can be on the day and that your crew is as well practiced as they can be on the day, um, you know, A really great, talented, insightful coxswain will know how to pluck you and say, well, you know, I know you guys can do a little bit more than that. I've seen it. And and an intuitive coxswain will bring that out in a crew. That's part of the art of coxing. And in this case, it was from inside the boat who knew we know we can, we can keep this going. And, and, you know, we're tougher than that. And, you know, in that case, speaking out in the race was even a risk, but it worked, right. Exactly. It, worked. it was like, you know, cause everybody went with her, right. Everybody said, yes. Okay. We're on board. Here we go. So, you know, you, you definitely whew, you sometimes you just never know.
0: <laughs> Pulling tricks out of the bag is one way of describing how to approach a race. And at its most basic, you actually only need two different pushes, moves, whatever you want to call them. You need one for power, and you probably need one for technique of some description. If nothing else, you can practice how to pull more power, push more power into your stroke, and you can have another move which is where you practice one part of the technique that you know will help you to row better. And whatever it is, is up to you to choose. It might be squaring early, it might be pushing your blades down to the water, lifting your handles up to the catch. It it could be many different things. If you practice these beforehand, you will be absolutely fine in a race. So If I am in a scratch crew, which I've been many times, I always ensure that we have one technical call and one power type call. Notice I'm not saying a rating call because if you're a less skilled crew, taking the rating up is probably not going to be a very successful way of making the boat go faster, but working harder can make the boat go faster. At worst, you can come down your entire race alternating 10 strokes of one with 10 strokes of the other and just keep on going if you that is a sufficient race plan particularly if you're less experienced just get very good at doing two things and making sure that you can do them to a high standard and then do the other one and then repeat the first one and that is enough Mm -hmm. on a race plan The risks that you might be taking are exaggeration risks. Can I exaggerate the amount of power that I put in and then not let it drop off? Can I exaggerate the technical move and not let it drop off? And those things are really worthwhile doing in a pressure situation in practice before you get to the race. I wouldn't ever advocate trying something in a race that you've never tried in practice. But sometimes you might have to do that. It depends the degree to which it matters to you to get the best possible outcome. And your ability to push yourself without causing disruption in the boat, in your technique, in your fitness, is going to be something that you have to learn. And one of the things that I think masters take too much to heart is they over-criticize themselves for not producing a perfect race. Trust me, I've done about three perfect races in my entire life. And it's very, very rare to not make some minor error, which you then have to recover from. And remember, the error might not be caused by you. We might be being waked Mm -hmm. by another boat. It might be a gust of wind, a duck. You know, there are many things that can come into that minor error thing. So having the mentality that these things are going to happen and I am going to be skillful at responding to them, which is how we actually started our discussion today, um, is actually one of the best skills that you can learn. Pull a trick out of the bag to respond to the situation you find yourself in. Oh, look, we have a live watcher. Andrea is reading the toughness book that Marlene recommended uh, last week.
1: Well, and, and James Lore's big principle is you need to be prepared for what you're going to do on the day. You need you need the physical preparation has to back up the mental preparation. And and as we said, you know, work the level that you're at to the best of your ability. We are all only at where we're at like today. Like I'm at where I'm at today. I can't race where I'm at like in 2 years from now or whatever. So be where you're at Um, Honestly, I think if you, no race has, many Olympic races are won without perfection, 100% without perfection from perseverance, but not necessarily perfection. And, um, you know, if you can execute to the best of your ability, be resilient enough to absorb a few mistakes and just keep on going, um, you know, you're going to
0: get there. Precisely. Well, I hope that you've got a a better understanding now of (laughs) when to take risks in your racing and the sort of mental approach that may be worthwhile training yourself to acquire so that you feel more confident that when a situation arises, you've got a trick that you can pull out of the bag and use. This has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio. And if in listening to us today, you have had one thing that you thought, that's useful. I can use that in my own rowing. Please consider supporting our podcast. Go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast. It's a subscription and donations start at $1 a month. Very much looking forward to seeing you all next week. Till then. Bye bye. Bye everyone.